Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, and welcome to Come for Supper. I'm Alexandra Dudley, food writer, cook, and serial dinner party host. So I thought it'd be fun to sit down with people who share that love for food chat about life and learn a little bit more about how they like to serve supper. I speak to chefs, restaurateurs, artists, actors, authors, and pretty much anyone who likes to entertain. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you click subscribe. And if you enjoy it, rate it, review it, share it, and tell your friends as it makes all the difference. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the show. So welcome everybody and thank you all for coming to tonight's live recording of Come for Supper. Tonight's guest is a chef, author and entrepreneur. Having written 29 award-winning cookbooks, she has sold over 6 million copies worldwide as well as regularly contributing to several top international publications. She was also editor-in-chief of her very own magazine. She has a range of homewares and home baking mixes and has starred in two hit television series, which landed her an Astra Award for becoming Best Female Personality. She's also a working mother of two beautiful boys and is Australia's lead food editor and best-selling cookbook author. It's the wonderful Donna Hay. (laughs) That's exhausting. (laughs) You know, you have to, you, re, you really have to kind of decide what you're going to say because I could have gone on. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there could have wow. been a whole A4 page there. That's not how I introduce myself. <laughs> I <I'm> told <laughs> you. Well, thank you. Thank you all. Um, thank you for coming here. So I know that you are very lucky with us in London because it's part of your UK book tour for your latest book, Week Light. Um, and I have had this cookbook on my ta- my kitchen table. That's why I sort of tend to keep cookbooks I'm browsing through for the last week. And it is, it's really beautiful. I know I've Thank said it to you. you already, but do you think you could share with, with the audience and people who haven't seen it yet, kind of what makes it special? Uh, well, for me personally, I got to write every single recipe and to style the book myself which um, only came about from shutting the magazine. So mm-hmm. time, um, so time, time. Yeah, getting back to what I love, which is really important for me. Um, and what I wanted to do was, well, a couple of things. I think we all have um, phobia of vegetables from our childhood, so we know we need to eat more vegetables. But you know, for me, it was the smell of boiling cabbage <laughs> in my mum's kitchen that just would make me kind of you know, quite repulsed. I thought, okay, well, cabbage is actually really good for you and I can't eat coleslaw for, you know, (laughs) every sixth week of the year. So I looked at vegetables and just looked at them in a whole new way. And I think when when you're the mother of boys as well, you have to make sure Mm -hmm. that vegetables don't just become a side dish that you've decided to become a main because you get quite a bit of rebellion happening. Mm -hmm. So I looked at vegetables that would make 
you know, not the backup dancers, but the real stars of the show. So there was a thing, you know, like taking cabbage and making it into a beautiful caramelized cabbage pancake. Not the gluey Japanese type, because I don't like gluey pancakes, but a really crunchy, gorgeous caramelized pancake with lots of flavor and zing and pickled ginger and crunchy carrots and things like Yum. that. Oh so gosh, I'm salivating. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it was for me, it was a, a big learning of how, of how to make vegetables really stand out but in a gorgeous beautiful way and of course you know being the stylist you get that selfish thing of making a really beautiful recipe and testing but then it doesn't look good enough so mm -hmm. how do you make it look fantastic so that everyone who looks at the recipe on the page wants to make it so um and then I took a few of my favorite things like basic Brilliance, which is one of my mm -hmm. older books um which I think is a really good concept because I know that I do it myself at home that I master a recipe and then I spin it out again and again but <laughs> until someone says really that again <laughs> so um and you're like oh so selfish because I'm cooking for you um so what I like to do is like the pancake on the cover is then make it into um like a tortilla for um like a a taco filling, things like that with beans. And then I've made it into a really nice thing that I did on Saturday Kitchen with pickled onions and watercress and tzatziki and sort of spin it out a few different ways so your friends don't get bored of it and you've already mastered that recipe. I think that's what's really clever about the book. I mean, there's, there's something in there called broccoli dough which can sound quite daunting. For me, I'm like, ooh, so exciting, broccoli dough. But the clever thing about it, A, it's incredibly simple. It's, it's broccoli... It's kind of shredded up broccoli, almond meal, I think, or almond, yes, you know, ground yes. almonds and parmesan. Yep, and did, eggs. Did my, yes. And eggs, did my research. But as well as kind of making it into a flatbread, you can make it into a kind of pie or a, or a quiche. And then you can, what else can you do with this? Something else you can do um, with it in there. Oh, now you're testing me. Uh, fritters. fritters. You can make it into fritters. So it's this kind of one recipe that you can take and then you can make it into three recipes. And I looked at that and I was like, oh, great. I could just make all these recipes with this one base ingredient that's kind See? of cool. One you over. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want me over. But I think that's what's really exciting about it as well. And there's other things in that, that like the granola that you can make into a crumble and then you can make it into a cookie. And Yeah, a big cookie. Yeah, mm. yeah big, a giant cookie. And the tahini chop chip cookies, which have been a big hit in my house, that then you can make into this ginormous share cookie. So it's got a cookie with no butter, just lots of tahini, so it makes your skin glow. Um, that's what I'm telling Healthy myself. Cookie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and dark chocolate for antioxidants. Again, more skin glow. Um, so, you know, things like that where you can just whip it together in a bowl yeah. really quickly, but it makes really delicious cookies that even my sons aren't going to turn their nose up at. Because they're pretty harsh critics. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. I mean, they've, they're, they're probably used to very good food, I, I'm sure. <laughs> I have created monsters. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so let's go back to a bit of when you were young. I read a really wonderful description of you in your early days that said, at the age of eight, Donahue skipped into a kitchen, picked up a mixing bowl and never looked back. Um, and it conjures up a really lovely kind of image of you as a child. And I wondered if you could share one of your earliest memories of kind of cooking or food or um I have a few I'm my dad built me a cubby house and I remember because I'm the youngest of three girls I remember us having a tea set and me always getting water from the tap and making mud pies with the sand pit that he made out the front of the cubby house and then when my mum let me cook in the kitchen I didn't have to pretend that I was making pies and cakes anymore in the sand pit I just 
got to do it for real, no sand. And well, it probably tasted like sand, but anyway, another story. And so I just remember how creative it was and how exciting it was that mm-hmm. I didn't have to pretend anymore that I could do it for real. And then I had wonderful grandparents that had um, just a very typical, enormous Australian block of land with, you know, a little fibro house on it, but a vegetable garden that just stretched forever. And um, we would spend all morning in the garden together in my school holidays. And then in the afternoons, we would I would cook with my grandmother or I would shell peas on so the back nice. veranda or something like that. So I kind of that's kind of my earliest memory of, of cooking and, and appreciating um, fresh food. So lovely. You began your career quite young, becoming a food stylist at 19 and then went on very successfully to become food editor when you were 25 of Marie Claire. And I'm sure that people ask you kind of, how did you do it? What's the trick? Like tip, top kind of tip to getting success fast track. But I want to know, did you, did you graft? Were you, what was, I mean, were you working hard? Did you have a plan? There was a moment. So when I was coming up through the ranks, I, um, I didn't take a gap year and I was thinking, well, I really want to do this styling thing because it's really creative and I really like it. But I mean, showing my age, 25, um, <laughs> that they were, it wasn't just about the food when I was break, trying to break in. It was like napkin rings and flowers and napkins and like everything and yeah. serving spoons. And I just couldn't get my head around all the stuff. Like I was just not very good at it. And it didn't matter how much I tried. I was good at the foodie bit, but all the other stuff I was really rubbish at. Like I was terrible. I was like, oh, I just don't get all this. So I decided I would take a late kind of little gap year holiday. And I um, I went to Paris. So that's pretty the big. Place, flying from Sydney, go. you know, like young girl, not backpacking, you know, on my own. And I just was like, oh, wow, maybe I'll have to find a new job because I'm really not good at this food styling thing if I want to be honest with myself. So that's a real shame. <laughs> I have to find something else. <laughs> I don't know if I'm good in anything else. So I was kind of trudging around Paris and, you know, doing the whole thing. And I didn't have too much money, so I would just eat out somewhere really great, like at lunch. Which is easy dinner. in Paris. Yeah. yeah. And then the rest of the time I would just be doing that whole very Australian thing, just gnawing on a baguette somewhere in a back alley. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I know, we all do it. Um, Australian rite of passage. So <laughs> I remember walking home to my hotel and just, I love lemon and sugar crepes. I used to make them mm. with my grandmother. So I'd, I stopped and I, I got one from a street vendor and he just folded it the normal way into a fan, which would have been the usual back then in Australia. If you were asked to style a crepe, you'd just fold it into the little fanny bit and it would be lovely. And then I was across town the next night because I'd been to an exhibition and I got a lemon and sugar crepe and the man behind the crepe stand, he folded all the edges in and he made it into a square. And I thought, oh, that's unusual. That's a bit different. There's another way to fold a crepe. And then so I got um, a little crepe obsessed, more <laughs> crepe obsessed. And then I went to another man who rolled it and folded it in half and put it in a cone like bunny ears. So I just thought, oh my goodness, there's more than one way to fold a crepe. There's more than one way to do everything in food. So then I just had this moment where I got so super excited 
that I just started looking at food in a whole new way. And I think it really shaped my styling and it kind of broke that block in my creative thought that I had to style like everybody else was. And then I just saw crazy things, like a shop just dedicated to brioche, but it wasn't brioche in one shape, it was brioche in a hundred different shapes. And I just started seeing things in a whole new way. So then when I came home, I threw all the napkin rings and everything to the side and I thought, well, stuff that, I'm not doing that at all. <laughs> just going to do really beautiful food. And when I decided that, that's really when I got my break. Mm -hmm. So and when, how old were you when you wrote your first cookbook of 29 cookbooks? Just gonna are you sure it's that. 29? Yeah, it's 29. Is it? Yep, it's 29. I checked. <laughs> I checked thoroughly. <laughs> there are various different sources that say 26, 27, 28. I know there is, isn't there? I counted them. Like my I age. I counted them. Yeah. Um, various sources. <laughs> um, 25. I don't know. You know what? I started writing one when I was really young just as a side project. Mm -hmm. um, and because I used to share a studio in Woolloomooloo, which is a very salubrious suburb in Sydney. <laughs> very upmarket. Gosh, it was in the pits. Anyway, so I shared a studio with some, with some other photographers. And um, my first book was on 10.8 Polaroid, which I don't know how to explain it without being a geek. It's like an enormous camera that you'd never see anymore. Now I sound prehistoric. No, it was... Um, oh, is anyone a photographer? Um, it's, it, you know, like you get a 5.4 camera that looks like a box that you mm -hmm. see fashion photographers using. Well, they probably don't anymore, actually. Now I'm really showing my age. This camera looked like something out of a dentist surgery. It was so big, <laughs> like something space -a. It was so big, 10.8. And um, we got quite obsessed with it. Um, I started styling some work, and we won a big advertising um anyway, boring, that um, I decided that my first book would be on polar transfer. It looks like beautiful master's paintings. And I had it all spread all over the floor of the studio on some poly boards. And it was really spread out because I should have finished this book before. And I didn't know that Marie Claire was starting up in Australia. I actually didn't know what Marie Claire was. But um, the fashion director had been appointed and she was doing a shoot in our studio. And when she saw my work, that's how I got the job. Amazing. Yeah, my mess on the floor. And then did that become the first the first book, those images? Um, yeah, that was. It was. It was called At My Table. I don't even know. I think I've got one copy. Wow. Somewhere. Do you think I you've learnt a lot? I mean, from, from that first book, do you think you're kind of writing and book creating process? Yeah, I mean, food has just come along mm. so... It's just... My goodness. I remember trudging down to Chinatown to even find coriander. Wow. Like, wow. really, like... To the back of Chinatown too, like the Thai part of Chinatown that would only sell the coriander. That's brilliant. <laughs> so let's chat a little bit about entertaining. I'm assuming you like to entertain. Do you like to entertain? My friends make me entertain. I love entertaining. Uh, begrudgingly? Or no, I mean, no. You have, you have some love? No, no. I, I actually really love cooking. I find it really meditative. I mm -hmm. don't, never find it a chore. So it's no, it's no big deal for me. So talk us through an evening. Let's say you've got kind of eight, maybe ten people coming over for supper, what, what are they going to get? Are they going to get a starter, a main and a pudding? Are they going to get canapes? What's a kind of classic evening at Donahue's house? Fairly disorganized. Cool. I would Best say. Style. Yeah. Most of the time people are kind of around the kitchen bench for the first bit. Nice. I kind of serve server and nibbles on the run. 
drinks, always a creative little drink. Nice, yeah. I'm a big fan of a little bit of yeah. a kind of Got a, experimental if, cocktail. Yeah, and I feel like a signature drink kind of takes the shine off the fact that I've actually cooked nothing <laughs> or prepared anything sometimes. Because I, you know, I'm usually... Busy woman. Yeah. Sometimes I'm prepared, but I think the signature drink takes the shine off. Look what I've done for you. It's Not true. much. Um, <laughs> and then it's usually pretty casual. Um, I, think, I, I think I entertain more because I like to catch up with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all very entertaining. So I think it's more about having a real laugh and, and connecting more than, more than, more than how much food, food can I yeah. serve you. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it's always late. Like, it's always a very long affair at my house, unfortunately. That's good. Sign of a good dinner party, though. Yeah. And I I love a Sunday lunch more than a dinner party. Mm -hmm. So I like, um, usually turn up early, we go for a swim, and then we have lunch after that. Nice, because you live right on the beach, don't you? I mean, there are some beautiful pictures in this book, as well as beautiful pictures of the food. There are some very kind of envy-inducing pictures of kind of running along the sand before a kind of broccoli fritter. Um, Yeah, that's how we roll. Um, Yeah, it makes it hard to leave, that's for sure. I mean, I I love travelling abroad, but, um, yeah, it's very idyllic. Do you have any kind of specific dishes that kind of your either your your family or friends request? My friends are quite demanding. Okay. And I can say that being on the other side of the (laughs) world from them. Um, They kind of more demand like a pavlova. Okay. You know, like... Specific. Very specific, but more specific than that. Can we have the pavlova where you swirl the lemon curd through the cream and I'd like raspberries, blueberries and passion fruit this time. Like don't try and... Skimp skip out. one out yeah, yeah. yeah like just go and find it yeah. <laughs> even if it is out of season and so yeah okay so a pavlova they're quite specific and then when we holiday together I always do these things that sound terrible um bug tails the Morton Bay bug tails are like the sweetest lobster that you can ever oh, imagine yum. eating but the most ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life like really ugly flat head terrible Really great tail meat, beautiful. So I always make that when we go on holidays together with all of my friends. We just tend grill to holiday it, in a game. Barbecue. No, 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 no. Okay, no, they're not letting you off that easy. Okay, so, no, no, no. You've got to pound together some lemongrass, some calf lime leaves, some unsalted butter, a bit of salt and pepper, oh, wow. lime rind, lime juice. Spread that on. Pop it under the grill. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just simple. Just, just simple. throw it together. Can and you the throw together those bugs again? Yeah. 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 <laughs> just easy. <laughs> easy for you. Yeah. So they're quite specific of what they'd like me to cook, which is the, I mean, I think the worst thing for me is deciding what to cook. So we do have a good relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes easier being told what to do. Absolutely. I lose Give me the page number I'm there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With you. And what about do's and don'ts for entertaining? Are there any, are there kind of rules that you live by? I mean, other than make sure that there's a kind of welcome drink when people arrive. Are there I'm just you... not big on the rules at all. Not big on the I rules. I think anything okay. goes. I think you've had an invite and you just be grateful. Yeah. Okay. You good. know? <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. It's cheese and biscuits. Be grateful. I don't know. I had a big week, you know. Just (laughs) look at the view is usually what I say. Gosh. (laughs) And what about kitchen mess-ups? Because I think we've all had catastrophes, especially when entertaining. Has there ever been a time where things, you know, just went wrong? Maybe Uh, the lobster tails didn't work. 
Well, I guess because I test recipes for a living, it is almost a daily occurrence that Mm -hmm. something goes wrong. Um, It's just fixing that that's the point. I did have my neighbours call the fire brigade once. (gasps) Okay. Yeah. I was having a styling moment, but I was running late story of my life, <laughs> where, you know, when you get the cobs of corn and you get the husk and you kind of tie it around yeah. the end so everyone can hold it, well, you then are supposed to soak it in water before you put it on the barbecue for a very good reason. Because <laughs> when you put 15 of them on the barbecue and you haven't soaked the husk, well, it creates quite the spectacle, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be careful like, in, in, you know, the bushfires as well. <laughs> So what did you do? Did you throw water on them? Yeah, I can't remember. I just remember the fire brigade turning (laughs) up and I'm just going, what? (laughs) Now, amidst all your kind of multiple achievements, there's something that I came across that I just had to ask you about, which was the welcome welcome to Sydney party (gasps) for Oprah Winfrey that you did in 2011, where you were creative director whilst, you know, having a family and writing cookbooks and at that time still editing the magazine. So first of all, I wanted to ask, what did that entail? What was that whole event? Because, you know, it was a long time, a while ago. And then also, did you get to meet her? Yes, it was madness. And yes, I got to meet her. Um, so I had to design a party on the harbour overlooking... Sydney Harbour. Sydney Harbour. Wow. At Lady Macquarie's chair, if you've ever seen it, in the Botanic Gardens which overlooks the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and the water. So it's a very spectacular, but there's nothing there. Okay. There's trees and grass. It's the Botanic Gardens. So we had to get everything in, and they only gave me six weeks to design, to creative direct the party. It's pretty tough. <laughs> it was crazy. And I did lots of things I'd never done before, like I had to attend meetings where I was asked to choreograph her fireworks. <laughs> and of course I hadn't had that on my CV before <laughs> so there's a lot of winging it yeah I mean the best things in life are, are yeah. wrong so I just knew what colours she loved what colours Oprah loved and I just put them into fireworks and I okay, knew what colours she hated yeah. so I was like how did you know what colours she hated I think I must have seen it on a rider okay before I, I don't know how I would work that out. Seafoam green. Like, it's still coming back wow, to me. Okay. I feel trauma. <laughs> I might need a gin. Um, <laughs> and then we had crazy meetings with the water police, the federal police, the local police, her security. Like, it was just... Wow. And I'd know, I was just winging Had you it. met her before? Uh, no. Okay, no. No, no. Um, and it was, it was just one of those moments in your life that you know you're never going to replicate. Yeah. But, um, so what I did was, for those of you who are Aussies, I can hear accents, but there's um, the most amazing thing about living in Sydney is that you can drive 40 minutes and be in the most magical bushlands of the Blue Mountains. And it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a diverse city. So I did, um, I did everything from coast to country to the slick kind of modernness that is the city because it's such a young city. So I did three different sections of the party. Um, And I just pulled in lots of favours and I guess that's when you find out how hospitable and how warm and lovely Aussies are when Mm -hmm. they just all band together for you. I was literally ringing people with a couple of days spare, um, chef friends of mine saying, hi, how do you feel 
about Saturday night, standing behind a barbecue with some prawns <laughs> and, and like Oprah. And it just had the most amazing people just um, just do fantastic things for me. It was, it was great. But, um, yeah, it certainly – I don't think I'll ever repeat that again. It was an amazing experience. Was she happy? Yes. Yeah? I mean, yeah. can imagine she was happy. Really happy. She loved her trip. I met her at the party. It was, yeah, it Amazing. Was I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So you've written hundreds, if not thousands of recipes for kind of cookbooks, columns. I can imagine you've done demonstrations. Have you ever thought about opening a restaurant? Um, no, not really. No, no. Home and I cooking. never complain at a restaurant either. Oh, okay, that's nice. I think it's really tough. I just don't know if people understand what goes on behind the scenes yeah. to get that meal on your table. Mm -hmm. You know, I did work in hospitality when I was at college training and how many people call in sick and deliveries that don't turn up or deliveries that do turn up they're really poor quality because it's been raining or and so I just think it's it's such a gamble and it's so thankless and then yeah. you hear people complain and I just it infuriates me um I just couldn't do it have you I, been I'd be out there ranting in the dining. I mean, my restaurant would last a week. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not my fault. The basil. You know, it's huge. <laughs> Look at the view. Rant. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the view. Um, yeah. No, I don't think I'd be good at it. Have and you I been asked to? Have you ever candle. been approached to kind of yeah. open one? And what rotten hours? And then you're still there complaining. Yeah. And those people have worked, what, every night for the past... 100 years of their life. God, terrible. So with your cookbooks, what is it that you kind of, if you could say one thing about what you aim to do with your cookbooks, what would, what would that be? Inspire people to cook at home. Mm -hmm. Home cooking. Just very yeah. simple. Which yeah. is definitely what they do. I think that's, you've definitely done that. I think you've achieved that. So Great. I think that's what people think Tick. of when they hear oh, domestic retirement. goddess. <laughs> domestic goddess, cooking at home. It's simple. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, I'm wary to use the word simple because. No, no, simple it's meant it to be simple. Mean, but simple like 
you know, brilliant, sublime, simple, kind of simple to do, but it looks incredible when you put it on the table. I think that's, especially this book, guys, I know I keep plugging it, but you, you definitely have to have a look at it. And I think it's clear that you are incredibly passionate about kind of seasonal, honest, local food. We were talking about it earlier. I mean, you live in, you live in Australia, so there's, there's some incredible ingredients, but kind of working with what you have as well. I know that you encourage that rather than millions of different funky ingredients that are you know like the coriander from the chinatown and stuff i think yeah. it, it is about kind of simple cooking i think it can be cruel sending someone you know 45 minutes out of their way yeah. to use quarter of a teaspoon of a special spice they're never going to use yeah, again no, they get it out of their cupboard when they move house 20 years later <laughs> yeah. no i definitely agree i loved actually there's a tip in here where you talk about kind of eating seasonally and i'm a big fan of eating seasonally and you say follow your greengrocer on social media to find out what's in season which is great How i dull that. am i no i think it's great <laughs> i do that it's a great tip um, I love my email I get from Pete's Produce every week. Yeah. <laughs> so Pete's Produce is that where you get is that that where you get your produce? Yeah, from? I because I'm a bit time poor. I like to think that I get to the markets, but I have an organic delivery service instead. So like, you've got to read what Pete's up to. Yeah. Okay. Pete's the tip. Yeah. <laughs> Pete's the tip. Lots of good cauliflower this week. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> and then you also have we haven't talked about it yet, but you have your own baking mix range. Is that limited to Australia only? It is at the moment. Um, Are we going to see it here? Is it going to expand? Is there going to be Donahue I'm trying to do a more healthier one, like a gluten-free one that's... Um, I mean, really? Because I think the sound of the molten chocolate chunk brownie, if we can make that gluten-free, I'm on, I'm on board. But yeah, I definitely, I I definitely want some of that. Yeah, that is the number one selling brownie in both yeah. supermarkets at wow. home. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky with that one. That's incredible. I mean, it's, I just, I'm also kind of incredibly amazed that you managed to write this, write like, books, I do everything. I seriously and keep that brand. box brownie going because I have to cook so much brownie for school. Okay. So I mean, that's really it, what that purpose yourself? is. Yes. I'm like the bake sale lady. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been asked to make someone's wedding cake? Yes, I do offer. Do you? God, I, I do. Would never ever do it. It's one of those things. Really? Yeah, oh, I, it can only pressure. be to my design. Really? You can't say, look at the view. I'm a one trick pony day. when it comes to a wedding cake. Okay, what's your signature wedding cake? Oh, it's kind of a little bit fresh flowers. Oh, nice. Bit okay. free form. Naked, naked, naked cake. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they weren't around when I had time to do wedding cakes, but okay. yeah, it's a bit of butter icing and yeah. Nice, loose, free yeah. flowing. You know. Other than that, I don't take requests. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One trick pony. <laughs> I'm sure you've eaten um, many suppers in your time. And I just wanted to know, has there been a particular meal that stood out for you? It can be a dinner party. It can be a restaurant. It could be a baguette in a French alley, whatever. Um... I think the one that sticks, well, I've got a couple. You can, we can. Can I go a couple? I don't want to be greedy. But um, when I was really young, I went on a trip to King Island, which is off the coast of, is it? Adelaide. Thank you, Michael. Um, And it's really windy and it's really crazy. It's just in the middle of the ocean, just this little island just dropped in the middle of the crazy Pacific Ocean. Is that right? Terrible in geography. Anyway, it's really amazing, really lush, really green. It's got lingering bees. It's got a dairy. Like everything there wow. is just green and lush and amazing. So I got woken up at four in the morning, went out on this crayfish trawler, did the whole thing, then went to the dairy, blah, blah, blah. Ended up on this amazing beach, very windy, but 
of course, we had all this produce that we collected all day. And so I cooked this beautiful crayfish just on this open fire on a piece of fencing wire because wow. um, that was all we could find. And it was just the most incredible. Yeah, I mean, so it is an incredible location. It, you feel like you're, you could, you're just so close to nowhere. Um, that was amazing. And then last year I had a really... I had a great trip with my um, with my team. We went to Cloudy Bay, one of my partners, and I went to the winery. And it's in Blenheim, so in New Zealand. It's kind of you kind of think that you're going to the sticks. So I tuned up my team, who can be high maintenance because I do spoil them a lot. And I said to them really quietly, I said, "Listen, just behave because we're probably eating chicken schnitzel tonight at some pub, okay? And just don't complain. I don't want to hear a word." They were like, yeah, yeah, boss, whatever. I was like, no, just be polite, okay? It's like we're in, we're going to the back of nowhere. So they said, oh, we've booked a restaurant for you. First we're going to a bar, then we're going to a restaurant. I thought, oh, my God. This is, you know, I was looking at my team going, hey, you know, giving them the, the mother stare, you know, that stare that you get after you have children that you go, death stare. <laughs> so you go to this bar and the guys have this made this smokehouse out the back. It was seriously the most delicious bar snacks, the most inventive guys. Just three mates decide to open a bar together. Incredible. They buy super expensive bottles of wine because it's a real wine area of New Zealand. They put it on their Facebook page. And you can come in and buy just a glass of that wine on that night because wow. they want to share the bottle. And we went to this incredible restaurant um, a young couple who forage all day and then just cook from the afternoon on. And it was in such incredible food. Wow. Such clean. I mean, New Zealand, it's just like fresh air. Every, like it's just so clean and beautiful. And the food was really simple, but it was just like nothing I've ever tasted. And the team were happy? The team were laughing at me. On the team, the okay. <laughs> I was going, gosh, I could really go a chicken schnitzel right now, couldn't I? <laughs> Boss. Yeah. So it was nothing like that. It was just so, just such young people with, with such passion and, and just, yeah, incredible. Blew my mind. Amazing. I have to get the name of that place. Yeah, the, yeah or the, the bar. And well, the, the place. bar was called Scotch and the restaurant was called Arbor. Okay, okay. I've, I've, young, young I'll remember people it. just doing whatever. They just build a smokehouse out the back of our bar. Yeah, it, sounds, it sounds like dinner in your house almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so something I always like to ask my guests are what three ingredients would you advise to always have in the cupboard or the kitchen to throw together a quick dinner party dish? Lobster tails. Anything. Yeah, you know, some bug tails. I don't know. You should just keep what you like in the fridge. I'm, I'm so anti-rules. I like things like lemons because mm -hmm. they're, you know, you can use the rind and the juice and I just think they're summery and lovely and and so delicious and you can put them in drinks or, <laughs> yeah. or dessert. Um, and then I just, I like to have fresh herbs, but I'm not going to have a fit if I don't have like, you know, mm -hmm. a whole crisper full. Yeah. And, and just... You know, really nice parmesan, just simple things. Delicious, yeah. Yeah. I would say those good ingredients, lemons, fresh herbs, parmesan, also things that, you know, if you've got a kind of box of herbs, you know, a pot of herbs, they can last for yeah. a long time. Lemons last forever, parmesan. And one of my friends poured me a gin the other day with a rosemary sprig in it. 
Oh, oh delicious. delicious. Yeah, very delicious. There's a new way with rosemary, not on lamb. Yeah, rose, rosemary and gin. Yeah. Rosemary and gin. So what's in store for you for the next, well, I guess 2020, really, next few months and next year? Any more books? There's always a book. Always a book. My, my, publi- your 30th my publisher book. is wow. right behind you. So there's always, <laughs> there's always a fantastic book in the works. I mean, you know, it's a long flight from Sydney. I've been penning some fantastic ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi, Karen. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I guess since shutting the magazine, things have really changed mm-hmm. and I'm kind of just taking on projects and things that I really love to do. So I haven't, after chasing deadlines for 17 years, I kind of am enjoying not making yeah, any, imagine. N- not making plans. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's been great just to see what comes through the door. Mm-hmm. Just working. Yeah. It's been good. Good. And then last question, if you could have Three people to your mm. ultimate dinner party. Anyone, alive, dead, fictional, Disney characters, anyone, who would you have? Oh, gosh. Well, you'd have to have some eye candy. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like just mixing it up, let's be <laughs> honest. So you'd either go like Hugh Jackman or Chris Hemsworth. You know, you'd go, you'd go young or kind of seasoned. <laughs> um, <laughs> kid you not. When I run at Bondi, it, there is a thing called Jackman season because you see the paps and then you go, yes, it's a good morning. Hugh Jackman and his trainer. <laughs> Running along the beach. God, oh, I need God. to move. <laughs> Life can stop. Oh, my God. Those two bodies together. <laughs> anyway, I digress as usual. Um, yeah, him and his trainer and, and, you know, some crackers, I guess. Whatever, protein shake. Um, (laughs) no. Um, well, you'd have that, like someone like that for eye candy. Yeah. And then because I'm so serious, I would like someone else serious to chat to, like Dawn French or someone, you know, a bit lighthearted. Yeah, yeah, very serious. Yeah, Yeah. it's serious. Some intellectual Mm -hmm. conversation. (laughs) Um... And then someone kind of interesting that could add some intellect okay. to the conversation. <laughs> but I would have someone like Parky or, or David Attenborough, you know, like an David old, Attenborough like, you know, Silver yeah. Foxy type. Okay, Silver Fox. Yeah. yeah. David Attenborough. You know, <laughs> Parky. I quite had a crush yeah. on Parky for years. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a bit of a mix. And would you, would you pull out the stocks for them? Would they get the pavlova with the passion fruit and the berries? Yeah. They get it all. I would. I'd pull out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd do all the stops. I might even do some prep before they come. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Might even get organized. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you so much for that. It was so brilliant to sit down and talk to thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you liked it, rate it, review it, talk about it, share it, and invite your friends around for supper. This has been a Studio 71 production. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.